0: Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. I'm Adam Elwan, and you're listening to the Safer Chemicals Podcast. Today, Katja vom the chair of our enforcement forum, joins us. She's just out of the forum's June meeting, and I will be picking her brain about what was on the agenda. Now, the forum is a network of enforcement authorities. They come from both the EU and EEA, um, and they're responsible for coordinating the enforcement of EU chemicals legislation. Um, The aim, of course, is to protect our health and the environment, but also to ensure a level playing field for companies across the EU market. So in practice, this can mean, for example, doing spot checks in manufacturing sites to make sure that hazardous chemicals are being used according to the safety requirements that are set by law, and essentially to make sure that companies are complying Um, These checks are done as part of EU-wide enforcement projects. Um, They usually involve several member states and many different locations, so they are quite large undertakings uh, on an EU-wide level. The results from the projects are then used to help authorities take more action in those areas where compliance is low, and in some cases, they can even trigger changes to the law to address any shortcomings that are found. Uh, Now, we recently did an episode that covered the results of a forum project on online marketplaces. This project looked at whether the online sellers were giving enough safety information for people when buying products with hazardous chemicals online. You can listen to the episode for more information on that, and the link to that is in the episode description. Let's get started then. Uh, So I see you had a very packed agenda for the meeting. Could you tell our listeners what was discussed?
1: Hi, Adam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and uh, for the kind invitation to be on this podcast. Indeed, we had a three day meeting last week, which was packed with enforcement related topics. um, But I'll just give you the highlights and the main items that we discussed last week. Um, we talked a lot about our projects, some, some of them uh, that were finished recently and some that we're planning on doing in the next couple of years. We talked about transparency of our forum advices on the enforceability of uh, restriction proposals. And we discussed um, the diisocyanates restriction, uh, relatively new restriction um, and the enforceability of that restriction in practice. And then finally, we addressed um, the member states reporting. So how member states report on their enforcement activities in the member states.
0: A lot of interesting things on the agenda, indeed, maybe if we start with the project. So um, I understood that you have this, uh, is it ref 12 project, uh, where you were choosing the topic for that? Can you tell us a bit more about that one?
1: Um, REF 12 is uh, one of our major enforcement projects that will be coming up and uh, be operational in 2024. And we were supposed to pick the topic for this project. um, And we start out by collecting proposals from industry, from NGOs, from ECHA colleagues, um, from forum members, and also from the experts from the national enforcement authorities, and then collect them into proposals. And we have a working group on prioritization, which... um, takes all the ideas from these proposals and merges them into two or three project proposals, which are then up for discussion at the meeting. And so during this meeting, we've narrowed it down to two um, project proposals that were up for discussion. And what we'll do now is um, over the course of the next few months, we will look into the feasibility and also the challenges um, and the comments from forum members on these proposals. And then we'll come back at the next meeting in November to discuss which um, which one of the two project proposals we're gonna take as a topic for REF 12.
0: Okay, and you mentioned a lot of uh, proposals being on the table, now being narrowed down to, if I understood correctly, two. Can you tell us what those two were? We keep
1: those project proposals confidential until the time that we decide on them and and have made a final decision. And the reason for that is pretty simple. We want for our members to choose those topics based on their own expertise, on their experiences that they made in the member states as enforcers. And we do not want this um, decision to be based on influence from others. We want them to be totally neutral when they make the decision. And hence, we protect our decision making by not making it public prior Um, to the decision. But once we've decided on a topic, then we're happy to disclose uh, not just the topic, but then later on also parts of the scope of the project. And that also serves as an awareness-raising exercise, because normally we address topics in those projects that have known or suspected non-compliances. And then it's good to make everybody aware of them, but not during the decision-making process. We both like to keep this as, as confidential as we can
0: right of course yeah makes makes sense so so then in in other words to find out what those topics are and to get a bit of a feel for the scope and timing and so on um that would be then in the next meeting and that was in
1: that's in november
0: in November. Okay. In November, all right. Yeah. Good. Looking forward to that one then. Um, all right. Let's then move on to Ref 9. So this is the EU wide project on authorization. So can you tell me a little bit about what it covers? Um, you know, when are the results coming and whatever else you can say at this point?
1: Indeed. I, I can't say too much yet. Um, I, again, I have to refer you to the November meeting when we'll make um, the first results public from this project. It was indeed a very, very interesting project that many people looked forward to because authorizations were checked in depth for the first time. We had to pilot projects and authorizations, but this one is actually the one where inspectors looked into the depth of the authorization requirements for substances of very high concern from Annex 14 of REACH. We have, and an I can say as much, we've conducted more than 450 inspections across the EU and EEA states. And uh, most of the controls were on downstream users. many of them focusing on chromium trioxide and chromates. But unfortunately, I can't give you any, any more details on that, because the results are still currently under analysis. Uh, and the report, the final report with all the data in it, will be published at the end of this year.
0: And just to, to simplify, mainly for my own own purpose and my own knowledge, so the fact that you are controlling reach authorization requirements and that it's focused on downstream users, so this kind of implies uh, workers potentially using these dangerous chemicals in, in, their, in their daily work or
1: Yes and no. Um, And it's also looking at companies who buy those authorized chemicals. So you're looking at um, supply chain, supply chain communication. You see that if a company further upstream has made an an authorization or or applied for an authorization, gotten an authorization, then this covers also downstream users. And um, if you look at them to see if they have also gotten all the authorization requirements fulfilled in their own processes. That's an interesting part because in order for that to happen, the information needs to be passed downstream. And the question is, did that happen and did it sufficiently happen so that everybody is in compliance? And that's what we checked in the project.
0: Um, then maybe we can move on to Ref Eight. So yes, as said, this is the uh, project that concluded um, on online sales, and I remember concluding the episode also where we where we t- discussed this um, that we would follow up on on the results. So yeah, interesting to hear how how what's happened in terms of follow up on this one.
1: Yeah, indeed, um, Ref Eight. That's our, our major project on online sales. Received a lot of attention um, because it's it's addressing such a fast-growing market and and selling of items directly to consumers. And uh, in the project, we checked whether REACH and CLP and BPR duties were fulfilled. And we found some high non-compliance rates in this project. And that's why we we have some extensive follow-up for this project. So we have the results in a report, which is already published. And the report and the recommendations from this report were discussed in a workshop um, with stakeholders. And it was a workshop that we held on the 17th of May of this year. And we had 26 representatives from 11 marketplaces participating in this project. We had companies trading online who participated and we have had representatives of um, ECHA's accredited stakeholder organization. And we even had a member of the European parliament joining us for this topic, just because everybody (laughs) found it so interesting. And uh, we drafted some proceedings from this workshop. And uh, at this meeting, we actually discussed um, the proceedings, the document that had all the information um, that was discussed during the workshop in it. And we decided to make it public because we believe it's an interesting topic and we believe it should be out as much as possible. And so we'll be publishing it on the forum website in the next coming days
0: sounds like there is a commitment then from from all levels of of the different uh, you know stakeholders and companies that that are involved in this so i guess it would be fair to say that also the uh, the online sellers and the marketplaces are concerned about uh, about the non compliance and they're actively trying to take action
1: We hope so, at least, yeah, and we uh, take it as a very good sign that so many representatives of the marketplaces and of companies trading online were present in this workshop. We know from the project that there is a bit of cooperation between um, the marketplaces and and the the traders and and, uh, the sellers online and the national enforcement authorities, but we hope that it increases in the future as well
0: still related to projects so you mentioned that there is this uh, so-called train the trainers on safety data sheets for inspectors and this is particularly linked to um the next one of the next projects i guess on ref 11 Um, and here the idea is to really ensure that the people doing the inspections are properly trained to find out what they should be looking at I, i guess but can you can you tell me more about that
1: Um, That's a training event that we have every year um, towards the end of the year. So this time is gonna be uh, at the end of November of this year. It's training provided by national experts and ECHA colleagues for trainees. And those trainees are then supposed to act as multipliers in the member states um, to just give all the information that they received uh, within ECHA and from the forum um, and pass it on to the member state level where the inspectors are actually dealing with it. And usually we choose a topic that is um, based on one of our next enforcement projects. And here, the next major enforcement project that's coming up and that's currently being prepared is REF 11 on safety data sheets. Um, There's a new format required for those um, safety data sheets and that's what's gonna be addressed uh, and what's gonna be upcoming in 2023. We are very successful with this training event. Um, So past surveys show that we reach over a thousand inspectors at the national level, and they are taught then how to perform inspections on a specific topics. Um, They can discuss best practice. They can ask all the questions they have before we go into the project. And it usually helps to increase the quality of the projects and of the inspections that those projects are based on.
0: Okay, and it's also a long-term um, you know, benefit then because once the training has happened, they have the knowledge and they can then pass it on and even you know, outside of the project, these practices will be then used when doing those inspections, right?
1: Indeed, indeed. Um, we share the training materials and they can also be shared then at national level and they are passed on. And together with then the manuals that we have for each of the projects and the guides and um, the questionnaires, and then um, we have a what we call a practical enforcement guide, which is a document being developed after the project is over with the best practices from the from the project. And this whole package together, it gives an inspector the chance to um, not only form the project during the time when it's actually a ref project so say safety data sheets in 2023 but they can just dig it out two three four or five years later and just look at the content and say hey if this is something we want to do again then we have all the information right there and we can just set it up and do the inspections um, without too much extra work and I think this is the added benefit that comes from the forum that you actually have topics prepared not just for a one-time project but also with all the extra material that we give to to inspectors to have this um in the future
0: i mean another side of this is that these this package may also be useful for companies right so if companies can kind of get a bit of foresight into what kind of things they should be you know uh, following for inspections then hopefully that also speeds up and helps them to prepare maybe
1: Um, Yes or no, Um, we publish most of these documents for inspectors only, so they can use it um, whenever they like. However, we don't share, for example, project questionnaires and project manuals in advance of the projects with industry. And the reason for that is quite simple. Um, We don't want to disclose what we are checking. So if, for example, you, you check in a safety data sheet, you don't want to tell industry in advance what kind of sections you'll be checking because then those checks exactly they're going to be perfect hopefully perfect (laughs) um as far as it goes for safety data sheets but you want to you want them to cover everything you know you want them to look at everything and you want to make sure that um not just tiny bits and pieces that you can check within a project um are addressed but that the overall picture is still there and that's why most of those guides and most of those say for example questionnaires are only shared with inspectors but the information material, something that the reports, um, everything we develop from the projects, the recommendations, those are then shared after the project um, with stakeholders. So with industry, with NGOs, for everybody to look at um, and to see what were the findings of the projects, because this is the information that's then important for stakeholders to know uh, where they can improve, even if they were maybe not part of the project or were not, not checked within the project um, itself.
0: So yeah, as you said, a clear benefit of the work of the forum um, on an EU-wide and also you know, on a long term to ensure that there is the expertise required to do these because legislation is not simple. Um, so, so it is very difficult, even for those dealing with it on a daily basis like we do at ECA, then opposed to those inspectors who may not, you know this is a bunch of, a, a lot of different uh, you know, laws that they're checking. So, so very useful, I'm sure. Um, let's then move on to transparency. So this is an interesting one. Um, um, advice on enforceability. And I was looking at this on the agenda and I, I struggled to understand exactly what it's all about. So hopefully you can give mm-hmm. me a little bit and our listeners a bit more insight into what are we talking about
1: here? I hope so. I hope so, Adam. Um, the forum regularly provides advice on the enforceability of restriction proposals. So before a restriction comes into effect, um, it undergoes a certain process within an ECHA. And um, this process starts with a restriction proposal, sometimes from a member state or from ECHA, of a text draft text um, for how this restriction could look like once it's, it has passed this entire process and then become a restriction and what the forum does or what a forum working group i should say it does is it looks at the text of the proposal to see if this proposal if it came through like this would be enforceable in practice so let's say for example if the text is difficult to enforce because the wording is unclear there's a term that might have many different meanings, and you don't know exactly what is meant by this term in this proposal, then the forum would say so. It would suggest a different wording that would be maybe more clear. And it would say, listen, if you keep this wording, we're not sure it's going to be enforceable, this proposal or this restriction proposal, um, in practice later on. So far, these are only internal documents that we draft for RAC and SAEG, and they look into this um, when they're forming their opinions, which are also part of the restriction process here in ACROC.
0: So, the Racket we're, we're talking about the Risk Assessment Committee and the Socioeconomic Analysis Committee, who look at those two sides of any restriction proposal, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And they form opinions. And uh, when forming these opinions, they also take into account the advice that is given by the forum um, to them to say, we believe this is enforceable, or we believe that here something is missing, for example. If an analytical method is, is missing to um, detect a certain limit value that is in the restriction, then of course, this is a problem for for the enforceability of that entire restriction proposal. And then that's something we would highlight and would say, hey, listen, this this limit value sounds good, but we can't detect it so far and so far. It wouldn't be enforceable. And that's information that we would pass on. What we discussed at this meeting is that we will hold a workshop to look into the transparency aspects of our advices. Also in light of, of suggestions that came in from the commission, in the um, CSS, that's the um, Chemical Strategy for Sustainability, to potentially change the format of the form advice. So far, it's an advice that's internal, so we're not publishing it, um, but give it to Rock and Seag because these are, and the Commission in the end, because these are the addressees of our advice. But there are ideas from the Commission to form the form advice into an opinion, and in light of this, we said, well, let's be proactive here. Let's uh, hold a workshop to look into whether there is a transparency aspect in our advice um, that we we can maybe decide on later on.
0: Um, and when, when was this workshop taking place?
1: Um, we don't have set um, an exact date yet, but it's going to be happening before the next forum meeting. And then we'll come back in the plenary session um, with the entire forum, with all the forum members to further discuss the outcomes of this workshop and to see whether we would like to look into making our forum advices a little more transparent maybe
0: let's move on to the next point. So this is the, and I have trouble saying this, but the Diasocyanites. is that the right way of saying
1: it? You're talking to a lawyer. So my best guess is also a <laughs> And I'm a communicator. So we'll
0: just, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just agree between us that it's the correct way of saying it. Um, people can read the right name uh, and say it how, how they want uh, themselves. But okay. So, so can you tell me a bit more about that? What, what's, what's being discussed?
1: um yeah that's a that's a restriction entry on the diisocyanates and um it has a training as a factor or a requirement um that needs to, that people need to undergo to be able to handle that substance and the question that we discussed is what kind of training should be a- accepted by the national enforcement authorities for example in terms of the content of the training what language should the the training be conducted in does it have to be a certain success factor. So does the worker dealing with the diisocyanates know? Does he have to know about um, uh, the content of the training in the end? And so there's a number of questions evolving around this training requirement, which is in the text of the restriction. And that's what we discussed and addressed here in the forum.
0: And is there some kind of follow up on this? Is this something that will continue in the next meetings or Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we'll have to address it again um, and, and hopefully conclude on, on what should be required here and what NEAs should accept here. There are quite many aspects to this because it also touches upon the field of occupational safety and health. We call it OSH in short. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many OSH aspects included here. And I would expect that the forum members would um, also contact their labor inspectors. They will be involved um, through the forum members in addressing this question. And so I hope we have a a bit of more round picture to it um, when we address this again in in the November forum meeting.
0: Then the last point, at least, that we have on the agenda for today, um, so this is the member state reporting. Um, now, now, here, the, the overall aim, I understood, is to kind of harmonize the way that um, member states do their enforcement, particularly count the numbers of, of, of what they're enforcing. So what is it all about
1: yeah, member states reporting is actually not so much about harmonizing what is done in the member states, but just how we report on what is done in the member states. So member states usually report on their inspection activities at the member state level. And that's, of course, interesting for, for industry, for NGOs to see how much is being done and what is being done in the member states. And the reporting is, is done through different means. So currently we have uh, a regular formal reporting requirement, which is even laid down in in the, in the text of the legislation it's article 117 of REACH and that requires member states to report to the commission every five years what they've been doing in terms of enforcement right and there's also another reporting requirement under the market surveillance regulation where indicators on enforcement are collected and that's done through an IT system called ICSMS. so now we have two ways of, of reporting what is being done in the member state But the main question, and this is the one that we are addressing in our working group on member states reporting, the main question is, what do you report? Because the question is, what is a control? What is an inspection? There's the term used, official control. The question is, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Is it a control when you visit a duty holder or is it a control when you look at the duty holder's premises as, say, a can of paint. So if you go, for example, into a hardware store and check 50 cans of paint for CLP labeling, say, is that one inspection because you're visiting one hardware store or you're visiting one duty mm-hmm. holder? Or is that 50 inspections because you looked at 50 <sighs> different products? Quite a big if,
0: difference, potentially. Quite though. a
1: big difference, yeah. indeed. And and if you want to make use of those data that are reported, if you want to make use of the figures and the numbers in there, then you're comparing apples with pears if you're not comparing the right term of control. You, you know, yeah. if, if everybody counts controls differently, then the numbers don't really tell you as much and so the question is what can we report and is there a way of harmonizing the way that the reporting is done and that would mean finding a common definition of the term official control and we're working on it um it's in so far different or difficult to do that because in the member states um different reporting systems are used different it systems are used and everybody is of course reporting in their own system. And so we might have to try to harmonize it. I'm not sure if it's 100% possible, but we're looking into it. We're working on it. And um, yeah, that was a report from the Member States Reporting Working Group saying, we're further looking into this. And now also under the aspect that came in relatively newly under the market surveillance regulation, because that's also figures that, that people will be looking at when they're trying to compare inspection activities in the Member States.
0: Right. So definitely important work. And uh, yeah, harmonization and consistency, I guess, is the key to having accurate results. And also if enforcement activities need to be kind of focused on a certain area or a certain member mm-hmm. state, these numbers need to be correct.
1: Uh, indeed. Yeah. And um, they are correct. In, you know, But we believe that. So we believe that member states are having their own reporting system so they absolutely know what they are reporting. It's just that sometimes if they refer to having done one inspection on the, say, CLP, then it's sometimes they mean we've visited one duty holder and sometimes they mean, well, we've looked at one can of paint. And that's quite a, quite a difference in, in terms of the time that you need for the inspection, the time that you need for the follow-up. And then the question is, what is reported really you know that you know that the number is correct and that they tried it and, and have it but if the definition is not the same for everybody of what an official control is then it's again comparing apples with pears
0: Right, exactly. Good. Um, this kind of covers the main highlights from the meeting. I'm, my fingers are itching for the next meeting in November, because mm-hmm. the big news from all the projects uh, will be coming from there. And of course, we'll be following those up also in our podcast. We're planning to do some episodes then um, with the chairs of those project groups to find out what the results were, and then what are the next steps. But uh, is there anything else you'd like to highlight from the June meeting in particular?
1: I think we covered all the main points. And uh, as you said, the November meeting is going to be packed with new information. On, uh, we have two projects that, um, where we have the final reports coming up. That's uh, the pilot project on recovered substances um, that we had. We had um, the REF9 project, as you said. And we also will have a new topic for the REF12 project. So a lot of interesting stuff coming up. But I think we covered almost everything from the June meeting so far.
0: All right, good. Then, uh, listen, thank you, Katya. Um, a lot of interesting projects, as I said, expected to end soon and more coming up in the near future. I'm sure also our listeners are looking forward to the results of those. And uh, as I said, we'll be covering those then in our next episodes. Um, now, for our listeners, if you want to know more about the Enforcement Forum and the results of previous uh, projects, you can check the link in the episode description. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at ecaeuropaeu forward slash podcasts. And we're also collecting feedback on how we can improve um, these episodes. So if you have a couple of minutes, fill in our short questionnaire and let us know what you think. The link to that is also in the episode description. Thank you for listening and stay safe. Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals.